names the pillars. In the New Testament, when Paul is talking about the New Testament church, it went from pillars being a structural support that held up the church or the temple in the Old Testament to now the New Testament pillars were people, the apostles of the church. And he called Peter and James pillars of the church, friends. See, God now desires not just for a pillar to be a structural beam that supports and holds up a physical building because now in the New Testament, the church is more than a physical building. The church is the called out ones, the people of God. Do you understand what I'm saying today, friends? And God is calling us to be pillars, to help bring stability to the, to the church, to the people of God, that we would be light to a dark world. But see, on the contrast, a pew sitter, and that's okay if you feel you may be that at this time because all of us start as pew sitters. A pew sitter is somebody who comes into church who is not mature just yet. They're ones who, well, they sit in pews. It's really not a deep definition there. They sit in pews, and they watch others do the work of of the Lord. A lot of times people stay a pew sitter way too long, though, because they stay there because they have internalized this concept that the work of the ministry is supposed to be done by the what I will call the professionals, the vocational ministers, the vocational pastors and missionaries. But the Bible says that when we get saved and we give our heart to the Lord and he becomes not just Savior but Lord, that we all are called ministers, which in the Greek simply means servants. God is calling us out, friends. That is what the church is, called out ones. And he's calling us to grow up and mature in him. Is that good news? I mean, do y'all remember when you were kids and how you could not wait to grow up? Oh, man, I remember when I was a kid and I couldn't wait to be a teenager. And then when I got 13, I couldn't wait to be 16 so I could drive a car. And then when I got 16, I couldn't wait to be 18 so I could graduate and go to college. Friends, come on. You remember that excitement of anticipating getting older and then you get, then you get to be about 38 and you're like, oh, 40's next. <laughs> Praise God. Listen, friends, God is calling us. To have an anticipation. He's calling us to be excited about maturing, looking forward to growing in the Lord. And so today, I have a word of the Lord for you. And this is a word that the Lord gave me about, I believe, seven years ago. And I believe that the Lord, it's ripe for today. Sometimes the Lord gives you a word and it's for then. And sometimes he gives you a a word that's for then and then for now. And this is one of those words that was for then, but it's for now. And so I want you to just really have an, a, 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 expect, a, a heart that's expecting to hear what God has for you today. So today's sermon title is called From Milk to Meat. Come on, somebody. From Milk to Meat. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14 says this. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. 
Friends, in order for us to mature, we need to know and train ourselves from what is good from evil to live in right standing with the Lord. We need to grow up in the Lord. We need to mature. Even if you're in this place and you've been a seasoned saint and been serving the Lord for 25 plus years, there is always more room for growth. And so seven years ago when the Lord dropped this word in my heart, he gave me a seven checklist to, to look at myself and, to, and for us to all, because the Bible says we're to examine our own hearts. So this is not for you to look at to your neighbor. This is not for you to look to your husband, wives. Husbands, this is not for you to look at your wives and say, hmm, let me do the checklist on them. No, this is for you. I'm going to give you a seven checklist of immature qualities, and you're to check them by yourself. And I was so kind to, well, actually, Pastor Don was so kind to put this on this little paper but, you know, we were coming back late from a, a fun event, so it was supposed to have a little box there. But you can just pretend there's a box there, and you can just make a check mark. If one of these, qual- uh, the, one of these characteristics apply to you, I want you to check it so that you can see how you can grow. So we're going to go over seven areas, that a checklist of immature qualities, and I want to share them with you so that you can say, I'm going to work on this so I can grow. And then we're going to wrap it up with giving you seven more areas that can really help you grow. So we're not going to end on a bad note. We're going to end on how we can grow. Amen. But we're going to start number one. The number one fill in the blank here. If you don't feed yourself, someone say feed yourself. You're still immature. If you don't feed yourself, you are still immature. See, when a baby is born, they don't know how to feed themselves. Someone needs to feed them. Someone needs to stick a baba in their mouth because they can't reach out and help hold it themselves. Someone needs to take care of them. But as we grow and mature, hopefully we can feed ourselves. See, this is how it works. If the only time you hear the word of God is when you come to church, friends, you are still immature in the Lord. If you hear the word once a week, and that's all, and sometimes, you know, and today's statistics say that Christians only come to church 1.8 times. How does that even work? A month. So if that's all you're feeding yourselves a month, friends, we are very malnourished and starving and dying and cannot survive. We've got to learn to feed ourselves the word of God. That means we need to get into our Bible. A mature believer reads their Bible, I would say, at least three to five times a week. It just is what it is. That's what mature people do. It's sad to me how biblically illiterate Christians are, especially in American society. Friends, we need to get it together because there's a lot of false doctrines out there. There's a lot of things out there that can lead you um, into deception. And that's why we've got to know the word of God. So immature quality, if you don't feed yourself, that's an immature quality, okay? Another quality that would be an immature or or, uh, another check thing that you can check off an immature person not only doesn't feed themselves if you are unable to change yourself when you are in a mess friends if you cannot change yourself when you are in a mess you are most likely still immature Hmm. see again babies and toddlers when they make a mess Mama needs to come around and get those baby wipes out and wipe some butt. I've had four kids in 10 years 
one of them was in a diaper. And when that decade was over, I was like, hallelujah, no more changing butts. Friends, they can go in the bathroom and wipe their own behinds. Come on, somebody. I think that's how Daddy God gets. When we finally can start wiping our own behind, I think he's like, yes, my babies are maturing. I love babies, but I don't want my babies to be babies forever. That gets tiring, right? That's a lot of work. If you don't change yourself, friends, most likely you're still immature. Say, if you every time there's a mess and you got to run to somebody else to fix you, well, friends, very likely you're still immature. If every time you have a crisis and you run to a person to fix you instead of running to God, you are still immature in the Lord. Pastor Earl, you guys know what he is, coined that phrase, a crisis Christian. Always in a crisis, always running to the pastor, always running to the elder, always need to get someone's phone number to help save me in church. I'm a crisis Christian. That's what it is. God wants you to learn to go to him and to go to the word and that, that you can begin to change and to mature in the Lord. God is the only real one who can give us a breakthrough and bring change into our life, friends. Only God can bring the change that we need. See, when I was a new believer, um, I, I was in a place that I always, every time I had an issue, every time I had a bad thought, it seemed like I was always running to one of my leaders to help me through it. And I kind of carried that over in the very beginning years of my marriage. And so I thought, well, now I got me a fine hunk of a man of a high priest that's going to help save me every time I have a crisis. And so I tried to go to Pastor Josh like that. <laughs> I was like, what is up with this man you gave me? God, he is not fixing me. I would go running to him like, I'm in a crisis. This person said this. This person hurt my feelings. I'm offended. And he'd be like, baby, I don't know what to do with all that. You need to go to God. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? You are supposed to fix this, pet my head, sit me on your lap, and tell me I'm going to be okay. I'm so glad that I learned that Josh is not my savior. That I have to run to God when I'm in crisis. That I have to run to God when I need a change in my life. That he is the only one who can bring real change, friends. If you're constantly running to another person when you need help, you're probably immature. Now, it's okay when you are young in the Lord to run to somebody else when you need help because you're young in the Lord. You're a babe. But once you become mature, you learn to run to God. Amen? Number three in the checklist here, if you can't clothe yourself, you are still immature. If you can't clothe yourself, you are still immature. Put on the full armor of God, the Bible says. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So we got to clothe ourselves with the full armor of God. Colossians 3.12 says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and patience. We need to clothe ourselves with godly character. And the Bible also says in Galatians 3.27, it says this, For all of you who have been baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. So how are we supposed to clothe ourselves as Christians? We're supposed to clothe ourselves with the full armor of God. 
We're supposed to clothe ourselves with godly character. And finally, we're supposed to just put on Christ. See, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. If you can't change your, if you can't clothe yourself, friends, if you don't know how to get dressed by yourself, if you need someone to still come around and put your pants on, friends, then friends, you're still immature. And there's a time and a season for that. See, there was a season last year where my oldest son, where we gave him a 10-week missionary journey to uh, the public school after being in a private school his whole life. He's in sixth grade at this time. Or actually, it was two years ago. And when he would go into the school, I would do this little transformer sound effects the best I could. When he would wake up in the morning, I'd be like, okay, son, it's time to put on the full armor of God. It's really pathetic, I know, but I tried. I'm like, the helmet of salvation. And then he would start making the noise, you know. He was, he was, he was just like 11, you know, and he'd be like, whatever the cool noise was. The breastplate of righteousness. And I would help remind him because he was immature. I don't have to do that so much anymore because he is growing and maturing in the Lord. Friends, sometimes we need someone else to help clothe us and help remind us. But once we get mature, we can wake up ourselves and put on our own big boy pants and big girl pants. Come on, somebody. We can wake up ourselves and say, I'm going to walk in the full armor of God today. I'm going to clothe myself in godly character today. And finally, it's not I who lives, it's Christ who lives in me. But friends, if you can't clothe yourself, you're still most likely immature. Here's a good one. Woo, this one might be, this might be the one that even if you do all three of these other ones, if you feed yourself, if you change yourself, and if you clothe yourself, this is probably the one that might still get some of y'all. If you are constantly dealing with jealousy and arguing, you are still immature. Ooh, got quiet up in here. Even people on the front row are looking at me mean today. But I was like, not me. I'm taking notes, man. That's good. <laughs> Come on. This one sometimes still gets me, friends. But you don't got all this passion and don't deal with it just a little bit every once in a while. If you still deal with jealousy and arguing, you're still immature. See, Leonard Ravenhill would say this, are you fishers of men or fishers of men's compliments? See, I'm a mother of four kids, and some of them have a hard time hearing when others of them get a compliment. And I like to give words of affirmation. I'm always trying to tell my kids something great about them. So say I'm talking to kid number one about how great kid number one is. I'm not even going to name names because they told me I'm not allowed to do this anymore. Whatever. And so here comes kid number two, and they're like, well, what about me? That's what kids do. See, if you've had multiple children, if you're a parent, you know that kids have a constant need for affirmation because they're still growing, maturing, and they don't quite know who they are just yet. So they like to be affirmed, and sometimes if, you, if they hear you affirm one of their siblings and they're not being affirmed, they're like, well, what about me? What about my greatness? Because they want to be affirmed. Friends, if we cannot celebrate when somebody else gets that promotion, when somebody else gets that attaboy, when someone else gets that recognition in church, when someone else gets that ministry position, if we don't know how to celebrate with them, then friends, we're down here saying, but what about me? Look at me. And it's an immature quality is jealousy. And sometimes we take it to the next level, and it's not just jealousy. Then we want to argue about it. Well, that's not fair. Come on, who has kids? That's not fair that they got to stay up to 10 and I got to go to bed at 9. That's not fair. How is my six-year-old is constantly trying to tell me something ain't fair, that he can't do what my almost 14-year-old can do. And I'm like, hold up, check yourself, little boy. You are six. 
You cannot watch PG-13 action hero movies yet. You are six. Well, that's not fair. Why can't Shua? Shua is not six. But that's how we are sometimes. We want to argue. And we want to say, well, why is Pastor Earl and Renee have a good marriage and I don't? Well, Pastor Earl and Renee have worked on that good marriage for 30 years. 30, 32. And he was the first one to remind me of that. Did he get it right? 32 years. Get it together. Pastor Keith told me when I was a new minister, he would say to me, he came up one time and he said to me, you cannot have 20 years experience until you have 20 years experience. And I was like, and guess what, friends? Next year will be 20 years experience for me. But back when it was like seven and he told me that, I'm like, but I want 20 years now. Can't God supernaturally multiply? You know, I was like spiritual like that. Like God can supernaturally multiply. Then I realized I will have 20 years experience when I have 20 years experience, friends. Sometimes we just got to allow God to let us grow. But friends, if you are still dealing with jealousy and arguing, well, you're immature. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3 says, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly mere infants in Christ I gave you milk not solid food for you were not ready for it indeed you are still not ready you are still worldly for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you are you not worldly are you not acting like mere men it's time for us to die from that Say, God, I don't want to be jealous and insecure and I don't want to be quarreling and arguing and fighting I don't want strife in my house and in my heart anymore, in Jesus' name, amen. Another quality that shows that you might still be immature is if you still suck on a pacifier, you are still immature. See, I can totally relate to this because I had three of my four kids that was loving those, we used to call it the NUC, because we always got the NUC brand, because they was picky, stuck up about their pacifiers. It had to be the NUC brand. And they sucked on one of them, we got to get braces, pretty soon because they sucked on that knuck so much. They were three years old and I'm like, this child doesn't talk because they were sucking on that knuck so much. It got an overbite that's terrible. Now I'm like, oh man, that knuck messed them up. That pacifier. See, if you are dependent on anything or anyone other than Christ, you're, for your comfort, you are still immature. See, what, what do we do with babies when they're crying? Man, we stick that knuck in their mouth so they shut it up. Be real. We're like, oh, my gosh, they keep crying. Here, suck on this. You'll be all right. Friends, some of us go to other things in the world to suck on, to make us feel better. Some of us have to run to our drugs every time we get upset about something. Run to our alcohol every time we had a bad day. Run to that cupcake, hallelujah, if someone set me free. Come on, somebody. Right. We got to run to something else to make us feel better about ourselves. It's ha- it happens everywhere. It happens in the hood and it happens in the wood. I know because I got both churches now. Mm-hmm. Ron to spend some money that we put it on our credit card to make us feel better. Ron to a- another relationship. Oh, it's okay. I'm not physically cheating. I'm just having these long conversations with somebody on social media. Come on, somebody. You're running to something when you should be running to God because you- that void you fill, you're just putting a pacifier in your mouth. To help you out when it's not really helping you out, friends. There's something inside of you that needs to grow and needs to mature. Come on, somebody. Somebody's feeling that one right there. When old bad habits and old bad relationships 
are what you run to when you are stressed. Friends, you are dependent on something other than Christ, and therefore you're still immature and a baby in the Lord. It's time to grow up. Here we go, somebody. This might be my favorite. If you still throw a temper tantrum, you're you're throwing a fit. You are still immature. Any parents know children, especially from ages about 18 months to about three years? See, I wrote three years seven years ago before I had justice. Now I would say 18 months to six years old, still throwing fits? I mean, literally, would throw themselves on the ground, hold their breath till they can't breathe anymore? Come on, these kids are crazy sometimes. Friends, we still throw adult temper tantrums sometimes when we don't get our way. Bailey, our worship leader over at Waterville, she, she one time, I, she said something about a mantrum. I said, a mantrum? What's that? She said, a man temper tantrum. It's a mantrum. <laughs> I'm going to say if she was talking about her husband or not, but she was saying something about a mantrum. I said, oh, man, I'm going to use that. That is hilarious. Some of us throw mantrums, right? Grown men throwing a fit when I can't have my way. Grown women throwing a fit when I can't have my way. Friends, we have got to learn to be disciplined. We've got to learn to be disciplined. And this is a lot of times when we throw our fits, it's when we're getting corrected. This week, we had a little vacation, had some extra family time with our kids. And, and uh, well, of course, Justice got about three spankings, not too bad for Justice, for five days, not too bad. But one of them had a good talking to. Sometimes that, that can get you going even more than a spanking. This, this child had a good old talking to. And, and this child was crying and throwing a little fit, trying to say why it wasn't their fault. And, when, and, and you know, they were throwing a little fit because they had a good talking to. And I thought to myself, that's how the people in the church are. Man, they get a good talking to. They get a correction brought their way. And it's like, oh, man ready to throw a fit. Well, I didn't mean it because, and we make excuses, and why it's not really our fault, it's somebody else's fault, and it was the circumstances, and, you know, sometimes we even throw a big enough fit that we're like, it's God's fault. Why are you doing this to me? Come on, somebody. We're throwing mantrums, and it's time to grow up. It's time to take it like a man, to take it like a woman, It's time that when correction happens that we would realize it's for our benefit. Matter of fact, the word of God says that he, if he does not correct you, you are illegitimate children. I don't want to be illegitimate. I want to be a daughter of the most high God. And so when he comes in and he still does and he brings a correction to me, well, friends, it's time for me to receive it. It's time for you to receive it. Amen. Hebrews 12, 4 and 6 says, if you struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood and you have forgotten the word of encouragement that address you as sons. My son, do not make light the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as sons. Friends, He's disciplining you because he loves you. I tell all my kids after they get a butt spanking or a good talking to, I'm doing this because I love you, because I want to see you grow. So much so that one time, years ago, years and years and years ago, some of our good friends were at our house, and they had to discipline their daughter, and they gave their daughter a spanking, and they were disciplining to them. And here comes Shua, two years old, over 
to my good friends and said, when my mommy and daddy spanks me, they always give me a hug and kiss afterwards and tell me they love me. I was so embarrassed. I'm like, oh, my goodness. No, this child is not going over and correcting my friends on how they're disciplining their daughter. But I was so glad that he realized that when he gets disciplined, mommy and daddy are doing it because we love them. And, friends, we've got to have that revelation. If my two-year-old son at that time, years and years ago, could have the revelation that mommy and daddy are spanking me because they love me, we have got to realize that sometimes correction comes because God loves us. Amen? And finally, if you don't share with others, you are still immature. Children are selfish by nature. Come on, if you have a child, even one, you will realize they are selfish by nature. You got to teach them to share because it's my toy and I don't want anyone else to touch it. Some of them, don't come in my room. It's mine. Like Smeagol, it's my precious. Come on. That's how some of us act. Yeah, I did. Friends, we've got to learn to share. We've got to learn to give. As believers, if we are so struggling with giving and serving, you are immature. If you don't give, if you don't serve, you're immature in the Lord. So listen, mature believers, they give. And I'm talking financially, they give. Oh, it got quiet. It just is what it is. When you're mature, you give to the Lord. You give financially to the Lord. You support the church that you go to. It just is what it is. If you don't, that shows an area of immaturity in your life. If you are mature in the Lord, you serve. You volunteer. You give of your time. If you don't, it shows that you're still immature in the Lord, and that's okay for some of us. At times, we might still be immature in the Lord, but it's not okay to be there for 10 years, friends. It's not okay to even be there for five years, even three years. By three years old, you need to be doing something. I personally, the statistics show that in your first year of your salvation is when you, when you actually win the most people to the Lord. I say right away, put you on the fast track. Get out there and get busy about the, the Father's business. Otherwise, you might get in a place where you're stuck being a grown man baby or a grown woman baby. And God wants us to mature. Friends, you shouldn't be discouraged, though, because if you are young in the faith, the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 2, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, that by it you can grow up in your salvation. Grow up in your salvation. This is a picture the Lord gave me. He showed me, and this was years ago, he showed me a toddler trying to walk in their daddy's shoes, and they're tripping all over the place, and they can't quite walk. Because the shoes are too big for their feet. And the Lord's saying that he wants me to share this with you so that you can see where you are so that you can grow. Not so you can beat yourself up. Not so you can be like, man, this, this, this isn't any good for me and, and be all mopey about it. But so that you can see where you're at so you can grow. Not so that you can try to walk in shoes that are bigger for you that you're not ready for yet. But that you can crave pure spiritual milk and that you can grow. See, David had enough sense that when he went and fought the giant that God put before him, that he took off Saul's armor first. See, Saul tried to put his armor on him. That armor was too big for David. It wasn't made for David. It didn't fit David. God has armor that's made for specifically you. I said to someone once that God wants 
Christian children, not Christian clones. Stop putting on someone else's armor. Put on the armor that God has for you and walk in the shoes that he has for you. And as you grow, guess what? He'll give you bigger shoes. But if you're trying to walk in shoes that are too big for you before the time, you're going to trip and you're going to fall. And you're going to wonder, why am I constantly falling? Before, why am I constantly messing up? Why can't I walk this thing out? Because you're trying to go before you're growing. We got to grow in the Lord. And it's okay. And so I want to encourage you. These are seven things that I just showed you that might be a check sign. Maybe you only had one of them. Maybe you had two of them. Maybe some of you had three or four of them. That's okay. It's for God to show you I need to grow in this area. Now we're going to talk about what we can do to grow in this area. Amen? 1 Corinthians 3, 7, so neither he who plants nor he that waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. We need God to make things grow. Amen? God also gave me a checklist for godly qualities that we need to develop so that we can mature. So if you checked even one of those things, and I even told you there's at least one of them that I could check from time to time that I could check. This is some things that were going to help you grow so that you don't have to check those things anymore. One, number one, a regular devotional time with the Lord. This means feeding yourself, that you're in your word and you're at prayer at home. You got to feed yourself. You got to get into your word. You got to learn how to read the Bible. You got to learn to journal. You got to learn what cross what cross referencing means. You got to learn about reading the the scripture in its context. You need to get some good biblical sound doctrine commentaries in your home. You need to really be able to get a study Bible and dig into it. You need to have a journal. Start with the basic soap. Take one read one chapter, take one scripture. Take take it and make an observation. Make an application to your life and, and then pray about it. Write it down in your, in, your, in your journal. We need to be spending time with God, getting into his word and hearing what the word says to us. The next sermon series that we're going to start next month is going to be called Tuned In. And it's about hearing the voice of God. A lot of times when people say, well, I just don't know. I can't hear God's voice. Well, you know what? When you can't hear God's voice, then get into God's word because it is his voice. I cannot believe how many, I sat down with people who were in charge of different Christian organizations and and, and talked to them, and they didn't even read the whole Bible through. And I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding me? Like, we've got to get into the Word and know the Word. Would you go to a doctor who who didn't graduate from medical school and have them do surgery on you? (laughs) We We need to know the Word of God. It is our weapon, friends. It is what Jesus used in the, t- uh, in the desert to fight off the devil. It is our offensive weapon, the word and prayer, our two offensive weapons. We've got to use it to defeat the enemy, to crucify our flesh, to apply it to our lives. So if you want to mature, well, then we need to have regular devotional time. Number two, we need to have consistent prayer life. Week in prayer, week everywhere. That's what Leonard Ravenhill says. Week in prayer, week everywhere. If you're praying to God for your breakthrough, you're maturing in the Lord. But what shows you're really maturing in the Lord is when you're starting to pray and intercede for someone else's breakthrough. It's not even just a, your prayer time's not just about you anymore. My grandma, when she was in the nursing home for the last five or six years of her life, she had a prayer list of 100 people that she prayed for every single night before she went to bed. My best friend who I just visited in Youngstown, she, we were walking and she said, I remember when your grandma passed away. She said, it felt like someone took a cloak off of me, a robe off of me. Because when she passed away, those prayers, it felt like that covering that was there wasn't there anymore. When someone really prays for you, you feel it. Friends, that's why I ask you, would you pray for Pastor Josh and I? 
Would you pray for your leaders? Would you pray for Pastor Earl and Pastor Renee? Because we need it. We need prayers. Paul, when he gave on, when he talked about the full armor of God in Ephesians 6, he said, and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray for your brother and sister, not just your leaders. Pray for your brother and sister in the Lord. Pray that God would strengthen them. Pray that God would encourage them. Pray that God would give them a breakthrough answer. Pray for their children, for their marriages, for, their, for the financial blessings on their life. Pray. Prayer changes things, friends. It says preaching can change man's heart. Or pre- preaching can change man, but, God, but prayer can change God. It can, it can change God's mind. And how, or how, how can God's mind be changed? Well, ask Abraham when God wanted to destroy a couple cities. And Abraham said, well, would you change your mind if there was 50 righteous? And they went down to 10 righteous, five righteous, to the point that he said, well, what about my, my relative Lot? Can you at least get him out? <laughs> I believe Lot was rescued because of Abraham's prayers, friends. Your prayers can move God's heart. Your prayers can change a situation in someone else's life. It is a weapon that we have, and we should be using it. You want to mature in the Lord? You need to have a consistent prayer life. See, when I first got on fire for God, boy, I was at prayer every time there was prayer at the church. We had noon prayer, Saturday prayer. And when there wasn't prayer, I didn't say, oh, there's no prayer in the church, so I can't pray. No, I was praying at home. We were praying in restaurants. One time we had such a good prayer time at Denny's. They kicked us out, and so we went to the parking lot, and boom, I got slain the spirit right there in the parking lot, friends. Boy, back in the 90s, come on. We need to see revival like that again. We were interns. We would sneak into the church. We were so rebellious. We would sneak into the church at night to pray. Come on, somebody. We got office hours in here Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Y'all want to come up and pray? Ain't nobody going to say, oh, you can't go into the sanctuary and pray. Come on. We, come after it. Well, why are you changing prayer times? Because nobody shows up at our prayer times. You want to start showing up? We'll make it happen. We need to pray, friends. You want to mature in the Lord? Well, then, number three here, depend on God through good times and bad times. You've grown to realize that there's seasons in your lives, mature people. There's seasons. And you realize that there's good times and there's bad times. There's winter when it's cold and dark. But guess what? In the winter is when the roots of the trees are going down deeper for nourishment. And then there's springtime. When the flowers are starting to bud, and it's pretty, but you got allergies. (laughs) There's good and bad in every season, friends. There's summer when you're at the beach, you're getting tan, but you might be getting burnt. (laughs) There's good and bad in every season. There's fall when the leaves are falling, and it's beautiful outside, and the temperature is just right, but sometimes you never know what you're going to get in Midwest Ohio. It might snow in the fall. And then it might be 90 degrees the next day. (laughs) But, friends, there's seasons, there's good times, and there's bad times. And through all of it, you know to rely on God. Sometimes there's seasons in your life where you're going through times and financially, man, you just can't. It seems like you can't win no matter how how much you're doing. You're tithing every, every paycheck. You're giving extra to the Lord. You're being a good steward. And yet still there's financial crisis in your home. And you're like, what is going on? Sometimes there's seasons. That God test us. But you know what, friends? God wants to do a work in every single season in your life. So you learn to depend on God in the good times and in the bad times. A lot of times we only want to worship in the good times. But some of us only want to run to God in the bad times, and then we forget about him in the good times. And, friends, we got to do it in both every season. 
If you're mature in the Lord, then you have godly character. Godly character is so important. Philippians 2 says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself and became a man, friends, taking on the nature of a man, became a servant. Friends, God wants us to learn to walk in a Christ-like attitude. God wants us to learn to check ourselves, to check our attitude. Are we reflecting Christ? God wants you to look at your Facebook page and say, does this reflect Christ? Some of y'all need to get an old school journal. Some of y'all need to get an old school journal and go ahead and write in it. My daughter is just now learning how to do, she, she has a, a, you know, a little device and she can text just a couple friends and, and that we've approved and a couple uh, families, uh, family members on her uh, little iPad that my mom blessed her with. And we just had to take away that privilege. She said, you're not mature enough to do it yet. She's sending like all these little mean emojis. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're almost, you're, you'll be 11 in a couple of weeks. This is crazy. She don't know how to do it yet. I said, Jubilee, don't y'all tell, tell her I'm talking about her. But I said, Jubilee, you got to get an old school journal, girlfriend. And when you get mad, just write in it. Oh, like all your journals, mom? I'm like, yep, you saw all my journals underneath my bed. Burn it when I'm gone. Burn them. Don't publish them. <laughs> get you a journal. Write in it. God is big enough to handle your emotion, but the rest of us don't want to see all that. <laughs> Woo, I'm preaching myself sweaty. My curls are probably leaving. Woo, okay. Number five, we're almost done here, guys. If you're mature, you deny yourself in order to please God. Woo. Friends, to be honest, this one is a hard one for many of us. Not because we don't want to please God, but because we don't want to deny ourselves. We want to gratify that flesh. I was talking to one of my kids. I said, there's a war, friends. There's a war in you. And it's not just against the devil. It's against your flesh. Sometimes your flesh just wants to do what your flesh wants to do. I said, I've been living for the Lord for some time now. And sometimes, every once in a while, my temper still wants to flare. And I'm like, woohoo! I thought I, I thought I went through deliverance for that. Man, I can't cast that out. That ain't a demon. That's my flesh. I just got to die to that. Sometimes daily. Friends, we got to learn to deny ourselves so that God can live in us. We got to shut our mouth. For 20 years, I've been praying, God, when my mouth wants to sin. When I want to tell someone about themselves, let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. If I'm going to sin... Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. Put a gate over my mouth, Lord. Only let me use it for your glory. And when you want me to bring a correction, let it be from a place of love, not because I want to tell someone about themselves. My husband told me in our first years of marriage that I could be 100% right in what I say and 100% wrong in how I say it. And guess what? If how you say it is 100% wrong, they're not hearing the 100% right that you have. We need to deny ourselves. Say, deny yourself to please God. Six, you are obedient when the Lord speaks. See, the number one way to grow is to say yes to God. You want to grow and mature in the Lord? The number one way to do it is to say yes to God. Say yes. When you stop saying yes, you stop growing. When God speaks to you and you hear his voice clearly and he tells you to do something that might be uncomfortable, he might ask you to step out 
do something a little different, speak to someone about the Lord, go back to school, work on a relationship, work on your marriage, and you want to give it up, you want to call it quits. When you start saying no to the Lord, you stop growing in the Lord, and it will hinder your growth. I've seen people who, who that got on fire for the Lord around the same time as me, but they're still where they were 20 years ago instead of where they need to be today because they stopped saying yes. We got to say yes to the Lord, friends. His promises are yes and amen. He wants us to say yes when he asks us, Who, whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord, send me. Can you say yes? And finally, if you're mature in the Lord, you serve and you give. I remember years ago, an elementary student at TCS decided that their birthday, they were going to, instead of collect presents for themselves, they were going to give all the presents to our kids' church. Those were some of the coolest prizes we've had. This was a child in Waterville. How cool was that? They decided that they were going to give all their presents to, to the kids' church to bless other kids that didn't have as much as them. They learned to give at an elementary age, friends. We've got to give. We've got to decide to give, and we've got to serve. Start at home. Serve your family. Make your husband a cup of coffee in the morning, a cup of tea in the morning, whatever you drink. Wake up. Put yourself in a good, good mood. Get in the presence of God before you wake up your kids. Serve them. Come on. Come on, somebody. We've got to serve at home just like we've got to serve at the church. I heard Joyce Myers one time said that if I asked someone to get me a, uh, a glass of water, there would be a whole bunch of people that would jump up and get me a glass of uh, water. But... That same person, if your husband asked you to give you a glass of water at home, he'd be like, God gave you two feet. <laughs> Ain't that the truth, though, friends? Sometimes we'll serve to be seen, but we won't serve from a servant's heart. And so, friends, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going encur- to encourage you with this growth challenge that I have for you. i got three things. There's all these seven things that can help you grow in the Lord, but i got three things, a challenge for you. I feel like we don't need to come up and cry at the altar. We've already had God moving in our worship time, but I want to leave you with three things that if you say, I want to grow, And I want to grow today. Who who wants to grow and grow today? Three things that will challenge you to do that. Number one, read the entire New Testament in three months. If you can read it quicker than three months, go for it. But read the entire New Testament from Matthew to Revelation in three months. If you have not read your New Testament yet, it is time systematically to go through the Bible and read it. That will make you grow. Number two, find a prayer partner. We used to call it an accountability partner. Someone that's on the same level as you. I'm not talking about a mentor, okay? I'm not talking about a spiritual father or a spiritual mother. I'm talking about a brother, a sister, a Paul and Barnabas, a prayer partner, an accountability partner. And you make a time every week that you pray together. It could be praying through text. Me and my bestie don't live in the same city anymore. We always pray through text for one another. It could be praying on a voicemail. It could be praying on a phone call. It could be praying on, on whatever the cool new stuff where you can see people when you talk to them on the phone and stuff. <laughs> I'm so old school. Whatever. Find you a prayer partner. It could be your husband. It could be your wife. But find you a prayer partner, someone that's on the same level as you, and you be accountable to one another. And when you mean be accountable, that means when you mess up, you let them know, man, I messed up. They don't got to guess it. They don't got to read it on your face. You let them know, I, I messed up. Cussed my husband out this week. Not me. I don't do that. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like you think I cuss my husband out? <laughs> I'm just teasing. It could be whatever it is that you messed up in. Okay? I ate that donut. That's usually mine. <laughs> whatever it is, be accountable, okay? 
And then three, share your testimony with an unsaved friend or family member this week. I'm telling you, when you share your story, when you tell someone about the goodness of God, it can change you and it can change them. Would you stand to your feet? It's time to grow up in the Lord. Amen. Who wants to grow in the Lord? Woo! Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for who you are. Could you raise your hands in a sign of surrender before the Lord, friends? We thank you with, with our hands lifted up. And God, my hands are lifted up too. With my hands lifted up, Lord Jesus, I say, here I am, your daughter, your son. And I give you my heart. I want all of you. Would you come and help me grow? Would you help me mature? God, I thank you for showing me some immature qualities in my life. And God, I pray that you would help me learn to grow up. That I wouldn't try to grow up too fast, but in the process that you have for me, God, that I would grow and mature, that I would crave pure spiritual milk until I could eat that meat that you have for me. And that I would crave it that I would crave your presence, that I would crave the gifts of the Lord, that I would crave spending time with you, that I would crave sharing the goodness of God with others, Lord. God, make me your servant. Make me bold for you. God, areas in my life that I'm weak in, God, I pray that you would help me, that you would help me die to my flesh, that the Spirit of God would be alive and well in me. God, I thank you for maturing me in you. God, I pray a blessing on your people, God, with their hands lifted up. God, I thank you they are the head and not the tail. God, I thank you that you love them enough that you were willing to die for them. God, that you set them free, that you ransomed them from the devil. God, that you have given your Holy Spirit as a seal over them. I speak blessings on your people right now in the name of Jesus, from their head to their feet in the name of Jesus. I thank you that they would be blessed, that they would know, Lord God, that you are the lifter of their head, that if you be for them, no one could be against them. God, that they would leave this place and know that their mission field is right there, God, that they would share the love of God, that they would be bold in their faith, that they would walk in victory and not defeat. In Jesus' precious, holy name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you. If you're new with us today, pastors, Pastor Renee's in the back, and she would love to greet you. If you do want prayer, extra prayer, we can pray with you as well. God bless you. Yeah, for now.